Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And we are still in the middle of spooky season. We're almost done. We only have but uh, but one regular episode left. It's the patron roundtable episode next Mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, uh, a bonus episode for all the fair folk of the Patreon, where we will cover Baphomet, uh, you know, my my bull daddy who carries a giant cleaver around. and it's yeah. and we were lamenting this before we before we uh started the the main shows that you know it, it didn't seem that long it it seemed to like just speed by. Mm-hmm. October's so, going way too quick. Way too quick, but but that means like you know time marches on. You know whatever whatever this year is called in Faerun, whatever our our good friend the the year namer has named mm-hmm, it. He's got mm-hmm. he's got something else planned. No, the next couple months. I wonder, speaking of real quick, before we dive into this week's topic, I wonder if he like just thinks of a year and he was like, I'm going to just write it down and then just has like a list of like, you know, like a like a sticky Like note. I do with magic items? Like, like you do with magic items. <laughs> like you think of something like, I need to write that down or I'll forget. And then when the new year comes, he just like, he names it that. Or is, I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of like, prophecy sort of thing involved with it it's probably a lot cooler than how i envisioned it where he's like like oh year of the snapping turtle like all right whatever <laughs> that sounds cool <laughs> it sounds like he got really bored well you know it's something that he's got to do and i wonder if that's like a full-time gig or if he just does that you know once a year you know gets a one-time fee or, or if she or she i yeah i don't or you know, or they like I don't want to assume Agathra that Agathra it... the Mad wrote a comprehensive list of names of the years from the year of twelve gods and negative seven hundred DR to the year of unseen enemies, which is sixteen hundred DR. Although it is also widely believed that the role of years was created by Al mm, Alaundo A L A U N D O of Candlekeep. Interesting. Agast- you said Agast- Augusta the Mad? Agathra, Agathra Agatha, the Mad, A-U-G-A-T-H-R-A. So, probably the not mad. the uh, like not the whimsical like oh like let's name it this more oh, like I'm going to name it this. Mad. <laughs> more well, we're, cackling. Enough year talk. We're here to talk. What are we here for? We're here to talk one of the biggest and one of the baddest. I'm talking like maybe not even B B E G like level maybe even beyond that maybe even beyond you know like the the final like, boss of a like campaign a bbbeg like a biggest? like a super bbeg oh, no. we're talking asmodeus 
literally like when you think of the devil that's who asmodeus is in D. and this is from there's a like in universe play called the trial of asmodeus which i love i love like in universe texts like that you know that's why i would oh, literally absolutely. um in like oblivion and skyrim i would break into homes and steal the books and then sell them to my uh fence and then buy them back so they wouldn't show up in my inventory as stolen uh and i would read them i would literally <laughs> I'd, be, I'd stare at my, at my at my tv screen and read these books the I lusty argonian maid the lusty argonian maid square <laughs> that is that is some hot stuff so from the trial of asmodeus I literally sit beneath eight tiers of scheming, ambitious entities that represent primal law suffused with evil. The path from this realm leads to an infinite pit of chaos and evil. That is beautiful. So Asmodeus is in Faerun, not only the deity of indulgence, but also the ruler of all devils, period. Additionally, That's the big guy. That's the yeah, chief. he's yeah, he's yeah, he's the big, he's he's the head honcho. Okay. Additionally, okay. he is the lord of the ninth and mm-hmm. of the lowest layer of hell, known as Nessus. And if you want to know more about Nessus, that is actually the patron plus installment for this episode. So if you want to hear that, check out the Patreon. Yes. And so, like lowest meaning deepest, not like least, not as far as like you know, not like. as in rank, like. It's okay. quite the opposite, actually. Like, you know, it's actually probably because it's Asmodeus's realm, it's probably the most powerful. Right. So the further down you go, the worse it's gonna get. Yeah. You for don't sure. want to go downstairs. Yeah, and and in hell or Bator as it's known in D D is an inverted mountain. So um so Nessus is pretty much like the peak of this upside down mountain. Okay. And so, in fact, you know, not only does he rule uh, Nessus uh, as a, as a ruler of all devils, he is also the overlord of the nine hells as a whole. So he's got his own realm that he like takes like you know special refuge right, and care his... over, but he right. he handles everything. Uh, as may uh, Asmodeus or Asmodeus, they're known by many names, and pretty much all of them are like badass and metal af like they're awesome let's go through let's go through them really quick he has so many names he's got a lot of names they're awesome supreme master of the nine hells okay lord of nessus okay Mm -hmm. the lord of the ninth okay the lord of the ruby rod and we'll we'll get to that eventually in this episode the lord of lies the prince of evil the Cloven, Old Hoof and Horn, the Arch Fiend, the Raging Fiend, and the Reigning Serpent. I feel like Old Hoof and Horn is just one that people call him on the sly, like where he can't hear that. Like not to his face, I don't for sure. Feel like, I'm just saying, I'm not telling the ruler of hell, of all the hell. Oh, hoof and horn how you doing right it's like it's like some like lower level devils are having Mm -hmm. to lower level devils that's the name that's that's a D &D webcomic right there and a band or a band name it's a group of bards (laughs) so uh they you know they're having to you know do some menial work 
And one of them was like, why do we even have to do this? I'm like, well, you know, all hoof and horn. Like, what'd you say? He's like, oh, hey, hey, Prince of Lies. How are you, Supreme He's right Master? behind me, isn't he? <laughs> so, no, uh, thank you. Uh, Asmodeus has real life origins in Judeo Islamic lore. He is both the king of demons and devils, whose name is believed to de- uh, derive from two different ancient words, uh, meaning wrath and demon. Uh, Asmodeus appears in several ancient religious texts, such as the Book of Tobit, the Talmud, and the Testament of Solomon. Uh, he's widely depicted as having a handsome visage good manners uh an engaging personality so pretty like good looking charismatic and charming sort of that's you know it's kind of like where we get that stereotypical like you know devil like prototype right like mm-hmm. a charming devil that you know can right. can get you to agree to to uh, you know get you to agree to uh, an arrangement that you otherwise might not right do uh, however, he's also portrayed as walking with a limp as one of his legs is either clawed or that of a rooster. So, you know, that this is just another case of the folks of uh, D&D using the mythology of our world to inform the creation mm-hmm. of the game's world. And as far as D&D goes, let's, you know, this is this is an episode about the origin of Asmodeus. So let's start at the beginning, or in this case, okay. beginnings, as there are a few different origin stories floating around. Oh, as there it, always are. When it comes to the Supreme Master of the Nine Hells. And okay. I love this because it makes sense in this like really fun way, because you know, devils are known to be deceitful, dishonest, mm-hmm. and you know, so it could be argued that one of the following is is indeed like the true origin story of the Lord of Nessus. And then mm-hmm. he, you know, he, and he begins circulating the other stories to sow this confusion uh, or perhaps like none of them are true. Like all, each of them is a lie, you know, propagated by hmm. Asmodeus in, in an demon attempt. Propaganda. I love it. Demon propaganda, devil propaganda in, a, in an attempt to keep his true dark origins secret and safe. Right. So the first one we're going to talk about origin story, the first is known as Serpent of Law. So this tale begins at the dawn of time when a creature arose from the primordial primordial chaos, which would eventually lead to the world and the multiverse as we know it. You know, the universe at its birth was little more than swirling chaos and Mm -hmm. forms began to coalesce out of it, you know, beings that later become gods. Okay. The mightiest of the lost champions were the twin serpents. There was Jazurian, who dedicated herself to good, while the other, Araman, embraced the darker path of evil. Despite their differences, however, the two serpent gods decided to work together to create and order the multiverse in a lawful way. Okay. And so after creating a domain and 16 planes of neutrality, However, they disagreed on how to define the center of the universe, which doesn't make, you know, much sense. Like if you've already like, you know, created this domain of neutrality and 16 mm-hmm. planes of neutrality, it would seem like, well, let's just make it that, you know, like make, you know, it's neutral, like, but 
Jazirian pushed for Mount Celestia in keeping mm-hmm. with her alignment, while Araman obviously chose Bator in keeping with, with theirs, right? Mm-hmm. So they struggled. They fought, eventually uh, ripping each other's tails off, tail, tails, each other's tail tips off. Like the way they wow. created, helped create the, the universe is they bit each other's tails and formed this circle. And okay. like in their like in their union, mm-hmm. you know that that's where like the the creative or that's where like the the energy the creative energy came from, right? And so when they struggled, they ended up like biting each other's tails off, uh, and tearing apart from each other with Jazari and flying up to Mount Celestia, and uh, while Araman, who was wingless, you know, fell to the lowest depths of Bator, and as he fell. The blood from his tail wound dripped out and gave birth to the devils of Bator. You know, both serpent gods were weakened by this struggle, and so it was that other gods usurped them, founding pantheons and spreading their influence throughout the realms. But neither Jazirian nor Ariman has passed beyond as much as the multiverse would like to forget them. So... Mm. It's obvious how this story can be construed as the origin of Asmodeus themselves, since the creature Araman is essentially the father, you know, quote unquote, yeah. of all devils. You know, it's his, it's his blood, which you know brought gave them life, mm-hmm. and uh, Asmodeus has been the ruler of devils for, you know, longer than than any mortal could conceive. Right. So. That's the first origin story that's that's going okay. around. And I think I feel if I can editorialize a bit, I feel there's a little bit of truth to that. Um but I and I think there might be a little bit of truth to all of them. Oh, um, kind of little grains of it everywhere and if you find the right, right pieces you can get the actual story. Right, right. So okay. and I like uh but I like that one the least because it's it, it has the less sort of like characterization in it. Right. And then in the next two, in the the one that that I'm about to cover, and then the mm-hmm. third that we'll cover after the break, you really get an idea for who Asmodeus is. Okay. Or, you know, was before he became the you know supreme master of the nine hells. And so that's why I like those these like subsequent right. two a, a little bit more the first one's a little more vague and it's just you know all of them and these are more specific to his right. story so the yeah, gotcha. second origin story origin story the second he who was so this version content contends that long ago asmodeus was a great general in the army of a deity of law and good who ruled the domain of bator this mm-hmm. deity who originally elevated asmodeus as an exarch that is um, a being of extraordinary power uh, who it, it can be argued that they act almost as a proxy for the God. Okay. Pretty much like, you know, right hand man, you know, mm-hmm. what they mm-hmm. say is essentially you know, like they speak for the God more or less. Right. Um, however, this deity who originally, like I said, elevated Asmodeus, their name is lost and unknown. And it is said that Asmodeus used his magic and influence to make sure that the original god, Bator, is remembered only as he who was. So, 
Asmodeus is the most powerful warrior in service to this unknown god, he who was. But over time, the methods Asmodeus employs become increasingly brutal. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where, um, you know, like, you know, you, I mentioned that I feel like there's a little bit of truth in each story because there's kind mm-hmm. of some overlap. You, you know, uh, in the third origin story, uh, like these brutal tac- tactics that Asmodeus employs also come into play. So I feel that's one of those things that like might be true as it like sort of yeah. peppers a couple of different stories. Okay. So, after another massacre in which innocents had fallen alongside enemies, there mm-hmm. was a falling out between the deity and their most loyal, powerful soldier. You know, Asmodeus does that whole evil villain, like, that'll be the last mistake you make, you know, probably twirls their mustache. Man, um, I don't know right. why he's a 1920s gangster, but sure, I'm okay like, with this. Yeah, uh, yeah, like, I, I, I approve this reading. Uh, but he who was still put him and those who followed him out on their butts, throwing him out of his palace, out of the god's palace. Of course. So just like that, Bator's greatest warrior and most of its army was exiled. Not dead, though, since the god of Bator was, uh, to put it optimistically, he was merciful. To put it pessimistically, he was a bit soft. He's a bit weak-willed. So oh. instead of death, Asmodeus was made to suffer, stripped of his beauty and broken in mind as well as body, and left on the fields of Avernus. While he who was was probably hoping for Asmodeus to come back with the proverbial tail tucked between their legs, Mm -hmm. old hoof and horn, their pride outweighed their guilt. Exiled by their god, he and his followers grew into their new and broken forms, and as Asmodeus suffered, he planned revenge against he who was and the other gods who had stood by and forgotten about his sacrifices during the early parts of the Dawn War. Asmodeus waited until a grim time in, in this aforementioned conf- conflict in the Dawn War when the gods appeared to be losing. In fact, he who was was partly to blame because he had no stomach for war. And like, you know, like I mentioned, he had exiled, you know, both his most powerful general and most of their most of Bator's army because the army followed as uh, Asmodeus. And though he was a powerful god, he could not handle the brutal work of war. So choosing this moment, Asmodeus rose up and slew his master. Oh, you know, as, as as you would expect one like Asmodeus to do. Yeah. The god couldn't save himself, but his dying curse trapped Asmodeus and all of Asmodeus' followers in Bator. Now, these followers, uh, who would eventually become devils, blamed Asmodeus for botching the job, but the situation turned to his advantage soon enough. Most of the gods cursed Asmodeus as a traitor, but many understood that he had very cunningly and very like strategically rid the mm-hmm. gods of a failed leader whose efforts seemed destined oh. to lead to the ruin of them all. So you got some like I, you are a bad guy. You killed, you killed that, you killed that god. You're not and, supposed to kill people. I'm not saying you didn't deserve it, but you're not supposed to do that. And but kill there, gods, excuse. And then there are some that are like, I mean, that dude was kind of a buster though. Like we're losing this war, and it's kind of his fault. So like, 
really on the cool like he did us a solid so i mean uh... oh i just gonna look the other way man it yeah right out right uh, like you know like i mean like you know all's well that ends well you know i don't know what to tell you so <laughs> so while they overtly shunned the rebel exarch some gods bargained secretly with Asmodeus, soliciting his aid in the war with the primordials, while other evil gods treated him out of gratitude for slaying a self-righteous god who was just in the way. Hmm. Still, though, regardless of how they felt about him, whether they thought, you know, he was, you know, uh, a traitor or whether he, they thought they, they did him a favor, uh, you know, they, they're still not going to trust him. They're still not going to, for decades, they still didn't trust him, which makes sense. I was like, you know, like I might, I can agree that you did me a, a solid, that you did me a favor, but I, I still might not trust you. Seems uh, the most reasonable considering. Right. So they didn't trust him. And so they wouldn't release him from uh, the hells, from Bator, which if you remember, that's that was he who was his dying curse that they would be trapped there right um and you know if he were to be released then he at, at that point he could claim the full divine power that mm -hmm. had been released when he slew his former master and so he would become a god himself uh as Medeus claimed that he and only he could use that power to win the dawn war for the gods and you know we say like, you know, we probably wouldn't have trusted him either. And it's that mistrust was warranted because this whole time Asmodeus was making overtures to the other side as well. Oh. He was, yeah, he was plotting with the enemy. He he plotted the with the Titan. Devil's going to do what they're going to do. You can't, you can't be mad, right? You mm -hmm. can't. I mean, like you knew I was a snake when you picked me up. It's true. <laughs> so. It's true. He was plotting with titans and giants in service to the primordials, striking bargains that would favor him if their side won the Dawn War. And I love this. It says, the deities must have made a better offer, though, uh, because he eventually sided with them. Huh. Uh, the gods forged a pact of alliance with Asmodeus, granting him and his former master's divine power temporarily quote, until mm -hmm. the primordials were, were vanquished. So, so as, then as long as he keeps a few of them around. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, there's going to be some, like, that's there's like, a loophole. Yeah, like, you know, like, <laughs> like a devil would, like, there's a loophole for sure. The devil's loophole sounds like a terrible place. Oh, man, that sounds like the worst sort of, like, tavern or bar or uh -huh. even sort of brothel that's kind of what i was thinking like <laughs> brothel gambling house house of sin house, the house, of, house sin. of fun you know some oh, sure. one one lore master's house of sin is another lore master's house of fun didn't say we didn't enjoy the sin i just said <laughs> that's what it was okay so asmodeus assured them that he and his forces would annihilate the primordials quickly and then he would give up his borrowed power. But mm -hmm. he also inserted language into the contract that would provide per for the preservation of Bator through the use of souls. 
and mm. did not mention that these clauses were effective in perpetuity. Now, this is another thing that sort of that's that's mentioned some like in a slightly different way in the third origin story, which I, I absolutely love. The third one is definitely my favorite. Is it? I've so far the second one's definitely better than the first. The first one just kind of lacks flavor. I mean, it's, it's just not seasoned. It's uh, it's. You know, it's more like mythological and this one's yeah. like the this one and the second one seem like more like almost like folklore. Yeah, I tend to lean more towards the folklore anyway. So so distracted by their fury at the primordials and their desperation to finish the war, the gods did not at all muddle through the implications of the wording in uh, Asmodeus's pact. And he has, of course, ruled the nine hells ever since. Of course he has. So like like I said, the the first story it's like very much very much mythological. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like there might be some truth in it. And, you know, it explains um how you know how powerful Asmodeus is mm-hmm. and also how he's mm-hmm. been able to rule Bator for so long. Uh you know, it would make sense if he was at least somewhat linked to this sort of um you know, primordial power, like this sort of um, elder power mm-hmm. from the beginning of time. Right. Uh, but like I said, these this third story is uh, is pretty choice. And it actually, the caveat is that uh, it's probably not uh, at all uh, truthful because it's what devils tell themselves. Like it's sort of oh, like, okay. you know, it's a story yeah. they tell amongst themselves. So Either way, I still love it, but we'll get to that uh, when we come back from the middle of the show. Sounds like a plan. Welcome to the middle of the show where we do all the midly things like thank our patrons and check out like recent D&D announcements or news. Uh, mm-hmm. As well as going through the DMs Guild to see what kind of homebrew action we can find, and a finally, homebrew action. A little homebrew action is always nice. And finally, uh, doing our magic item of the week. Yeah. So first and foremost, uh, we want to thank some of our patrons. Well, we want to thank all of our patrons for sure. Always. But we want to specifically shout out our scholar patrons yes. like Jocko H. Mike S, Peter M, Remington Cloutier, the dog Indy, and Wolf the Sheepdog. These folks, uh, as scholars, get uh, you know ad-free bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. They are ad-free early episodes. They get all our bonus content, the Patron Plus installments, the bonus episodes, uh, mini episodes. Uh, you know, for all for ten bucks a month. I don't think it's that bad of a deal, to be honest. You, so you support either. you support the show. All the funds that we get from the Patreon go to making the show bigger and better to commissioning art for merchandise and, you know, pretty much just, you know, building this community more and more. Thank you. If you are interested in supporting the show in that manner, patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. We promise you 2023 is going to be one heck of a year for the D&D Lorecast. So much stuff. We've got a lot so of many cool stuff things planned. happening. And so uh, check it out. Be Get in on the ground floor. Be a part mm-hmm. of something big that's happening. 
And of course, if you want to support the show in other ways, uh, Mary, how can they do that? Oh gosh, you can, uh, you know, like find us on Twitter at DND Lorecast. Um, you can shoot us an email even at DND Lorecast at gmail.com. You can hang out with us in the Robots Radio Discord. Um, awesome place. You can also go give us, go rate us, go give us like a five star rating on wherever it is that you happen to be podcasting. Because that also helps. And if you can't support in the uh, financial way, feel free to shout about us at everybody. Not literally, because that's kind of creepy, but like word of mouth is is massive. I say and it shout. Is super helpful. If oh, okay. You, well, if you want to shout, go ahead and shout. You know, I'm a shouter. I'm loud. I, same. So, like, you know, people are like, why, 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 why are you yelling at me? Why are you yelling? I'm excited. It's just very exciting. These are very exciting times that we're living in. It is so wonderful. Speaking of exciting times, I brought this up to you and you were you were marveled and amazed. Uh, so this was announced. Sometimes. This was announced. It's called The Adventure Begins. It is a book. It is not just any book. It is a little golden book. Yes. It is a little <laughs> golden book about Dungeons and Dragons. It oh. Uh, stars the characters from the 1980s D&D cartoon. Uh, it's by Dennis Arshili and it's illustrated by the team over at Golden Books. That's uh, so awesome. So, I mean, it's it's a, it's the perfect gift for your for your toddler, for your friend's toddler, or all for your 40 year old man who collects all things D and D, or anyone. <laughs> Am I a 40 year old man too? Is that what this is? Well, we're all 40-year-old men in one way or another. That's true. Uh, the classic Dungeons & Dragons television show from the 1980s returns in a little golden book, Journey into the Magical and Exciting Realm of Dungeons & Dragons. This little golden book introduces young readers to the world and characters of the classic 80s television show D&D and tells the story of how they got trapped in a world of magic, dragons, and more. Children ages two to five who are interested in D&D will love this little golden book, as well as adult collectors. That's oh, that's you. That's me. You. That's me who grew up watching the original show. So they are like, look, man, like, yeah, some kids are going to read this, but it's really for the old nerds. I want to add a caveat. That. It's for children two to five that are interested in it. And that don't know that they're interested yet. Exactly. That's you got to go set that like, Plant that seed early. As a parent, you you try to uh, you get do. your kids to like like the same stuff you do, you know. And if they don't, that's cool. That's fine. You know, you, then whatever they do, like you know, you you know, you you help you know, cultivate learn to that. accept. Um, but you know, you do like you know, it's not going to be everything, but you do have mm -hmm. some dubs. Um, like my kids, they they don't they don't care about D and D. They just don't. All of mine are all right with it. All of them you know, are okay with it. My but, oldest does uh, D and D character artwork. Nice, I like that. That's very mm -hmm. cool. Um, but I think um, our good friend uh, Stuart Watkinson, he on mm -hmm. his blog posted a uh, list of like RPGs that mm -hmm. are you know more suitable or might more accessible for, for younger audiences than yeah. D and D. And I definitely want to try Mouse Ritter with the girls and see see how they handle that. Sounds like a lot of fun. So yeah, we're gonna have a link to you can pre-order that um 
from the publisher themselves or from you know mm-hmm. anywhere you can buy books. Uh, and it is coming out at the beginning of next year, January third. So, and it's it's Perfect. six bucks. It's six bucks. I'm gonna have to have it. I the nostalgia factor for the little golden books is like super intense for me because oh yeah for sure I remember having entire shelves of them as a child. They're the best. Mm-hmm. And so let's see what what does the DMs Guild have for us today? Well, we're talking. Asmodeus, the king of the nine hells. So why not a supplement called Asmodeus, the king of the nine hells from Total Party Killer? Itself, didn't it? So total, I'm sorry, by who? Total Party Killer. I have a new favorite author. Cool. <laughs> so this has a four and a half star rating based on 24 ratings. Dare to tread the boiling paths of the nine hells. Presume to test your mettle against the king of devils and learn the shocking secret of the shadow behind the infernal throne of Nessus. With this PDF, you'll have the chance to take on one of the greatest monsters in history, where a victory for the PCs means that the very balance of the planes is radically altered forever. Glimpse beyond the throne of Nessus to find the primordial beast that lurks beneath the deepest pit. So what's included in this? Well, you get a stat block for Asmodeus, who is a has a challenge rating of 27. He's a legendary creature. Uh, you get the Overload of uh, Overlord of Hell, a challenge rating 35, legendary fiend, plus two new cleric subclasses, the Fire and the Tyranny domains, and it also homebrews the Ruby Rod of Hell, which hint hint Ooh. we're about to talk about. It's our magic item of the week. So you can get all this. It's a pay what you want, but the suggested those. price is only 99 cents. I always try to double the suggested price, and I don't know why I'm built that way. Because you're you want to help people out. You want to help out content creators. You want to sometimes I wonder if the price setting has that imposter syndrome behind it. So it's like, no, you're good enough. Here you go. Like, I don't know. It's a weird hang up, I guess. Well, you know what isn't a weird hang-up? Your obsession with magic items. I do love magic items. I like I mean, magic it's a, items it's and a hang big, up. scary things. It's a hang-up, but it's a very convenient hang-up, consi- it, you well, know, considering your position with the show. <laughs> that is very, very, very true. So this let's was, hear about it. I actually did not pick this. This was suggested and accepted rather quickly. Um, well, really, you know, I, I'm doing my research and I'm like, hey, if you haven't picked an item yet, I got the perfect one. And you're like, that's a bet. I usually pick like six and roll a D6. I'm not going to lie to you guys. That's what yeah. I do. I roll for it so that I can be indecisive and not have to choose things. It's win-win. It is. It's, absolutely. So the Ruby Rod of Asmodeus um, is an artifact as implied. Um, it is owned by the various avatars and aspects and looks like a giant solid ruby that um, is shaped into a rod. Pretty simple. Um, So those that were actually owned by his avatars and aspects were worth more than a million GP, which is insanity. And no one should ever have that much gold 
that is terrifying. They could disrupt the entire economy of wherever, you know, whatever world you're in. So these rods are four foot long, have an opaline tip that uh, looks like a clawed fist clutching a skull. And it's got, the other end is really jagged as though it was like snapped off of something. Um, they're covered in good deities and celestials. Celestials? Sure. Names. Um, Celestials. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was like, going to say have... that can't. So like that can't be right. And then I just like <laughs> sounded it out. I'm like, by gosh, I mean, by gosh, she's got it. It tracks. Um, but these names are all written in reverse and sullied with black blood. Um, it gives off a soft red light. And upon shooting energy blasts, it gives off a beam of light in all directions. Just like light them up with the torch. Beacons are lit. I'm sorry. I've Glow been stick. watching Lord of the Rings again. <laughs> Never apologize for that. <laughs> This is all right. All right. I'll keep that in mind. So what does it do? Um, in combat can be used as a bludgeon, of course, because it's, you know, um, it works like a plus six unholy great club, which also sounds terrifying. I love it. Um, it uh, uh, so sorry. Um, it causes when it's used as a bludgeon it does damage physically but also has magical effects on people um, affecting the body with inflict critical wounds or light wounds um, and those who were given permission to wield it were able to though without getting hurt by it this thing is terrifying sir i mean it stands a reason it's like it it's one of the reason. It's, you know, one of the uh, possessions of the Supreme Master of the Nine Hells. Right. So it shoots these energy beams. There were multiple variations, three of them. It's a 150-foot beam of electricity or acid or a 75-foot cone of intense cold. Um could be used as often as they wanted if it was being wielded by Asmodeus himself, but only once per day by other people. Um, it has three protective abilities. One that forced people to bow down before whomever was wielding it, making it impossible oh, for them man. to attack. That's that's a power move right there. That is. I love it. <laughs> the second creates a wall of force around the wielder, as well as a 50-foot radius um, anti-magic field that magically repaired the wielder um, first by making away with takes away all the detrimental enchantments and then uh, mundane oh my gosh detriments like the lost body parts that grow back um, removes disease poison induced stuff and at last with a full recovery of the wielders you know physical health and their magical energy um so these could be used again these could all be used as much as they want by asmodeus and only once per day by other people third thing is that it would also protect the wielder from spells by absorbing them into the rod however Wait. that one is not an unlimited okay option. i was gonna say that sounds like i mean as powerful as this thing is that sounds that would have if it was like you said, unlimited. Like the other one, that would have been insanity. It, absolute, like there's no way to beat them. There's like you can't, you can't beat them. 
Oh, you want to use a spell on me? No. How about you bow down instead? <laughs> how about you? How about you just do that? So yeah. So the ruby rod, uh, like I said, it's we've talked about it, you know, before in one of the stories. We're about to talk about it in the third origin story. Ooh. Definitely, you know, uh, you can't have Asmodeus without the ruby rod, and so right. Uh, you know, definitely could be the hook for uh, an adventure or even a, an entire campaign. I mean, you know, perhaps Asmodeus is, you know, the Ruby Rod is, is you know, taken from Asmodeus or he's, they're separated somehow uh, and you have to make sure it doesn't fall. I mean, you might have to make sure it gets back to Asmodeus's hands because, you it's know, too if, dangerous for someone else. Right. Oh, man, that would be. Well, if he didn't give you permission, though, it would be constantly hurting everybody that carried it. Well, you know, someone might be willing to take that if it means, you know, that getting they get what they want. The power. Yeah. Yeah. So, the ruby rod. I like it. Oh, yeah. And it took everything in me not to type ruby rob every time I was typing it in the notes. Well, let's go ahead and jump back into the episode because we still got one humdinger of an origin story to talk about. Humdinger. Let's ding away. Welcome back. And we've got the third and final origin story for Asmodeus. This one is known as the Pact Primeval. And this is my favorite. This is also um, what many consider to be the least truthful because this is what devils like sort of like this is their story, their version of the story. So uh -huh. I don't know what it says about me that I think that the what the devils like you know to tell themselves is also what I like. You know, that's something I'm going to have to unpack later I feel like so everyone's gonna say oh well you know how devils are you can't trust them you can't trust them that's the perfect time for them to tell the truth because no one's gonna believe it anyway right that's a very good point and they know what they are i feel like they probably own their personality traits and flaws and red flags you know yeah devils know what they are they know what they are so this version like i said is usually what devils tell themselves what they believe uh, and it'll become obvious as to why, like, once we get through it. So, in the beginning, chaos was all that existed, and out of it came demons, living mm -hmm. manifestations mm -hmm. of that chaos. And, like you said, demons are going to do what demons are going to do, or devils are going to do what devils are going to do. Well, demons are going to do the same, you know, which right. is basically screw stuff up, break things, mm -hmm. just a bunch of hooligans and rascals, to be honest. And so a force arose to combat the demons and the chaos, the force of the law. Okay. And much like demons, uh, how they were, you know, manifested from the chaos soon to oppose them, deities manifested from the law, from okay. the force of law. And so the demons and these lawful deities, they squabbled and they Donnie brooked for eons until it's a word. Until, yeah. yes, until <laughs> the deities of law were like, 
man, WTF, how long is this going to take? So in order to move their attention elsewhere, uh-huh. you know, small projects like creating the multiverse and, right, that, you know, that old thing, populating it, uh, the deities of law created angels to continue to fight with the demons. Now, the bravest, toughest, fiercest, and most beautiful of all the angels was, you guessed it, Frank Stallone. No, I mean Asmodeus. If you got that reference, ultimate rips to Norm MacDonald, and we should be friends. Uh, his devil body count was un or his demon body count was unparalleled even by some of the deities themselves. I mean, I'm just talking bodies, bodies, bodies. Asmodeus is like a one man wrecking crew or a one devil wrecking crew or one angel right. at this point. Uh, but as the war waged on, Asmodeus mm-hmm. and some of his fellow angels began to take on uh, some of the traits of their enemy. You know, it's one of those, um, you know, in order to defeat them, you got to understand them sort of thing, right? And so gradually, their beauty turned to ugliness, and the deities and other angels began to fear them before eventually petitioning to altogether banish Asmodeus and the most fearsome of his avenging angels. So Asmodeus was put on trial before the god of valor, the god of war, Heronius. And in Asmodeus's defense, he stated, the first duty of law is to create chaos. I have performed this duty better than any. Heronius countered Asmodeus and his angel, uh, countered Asmodeus by saying that him and his angels have poisoned themselves in the process. To which Asmodeus replied, as Lord of battle, you should know better that than any that war is a dirty business. We have blackened ourselves so that you can remain golden. So already you see like the lawful evil. And let's just say it. It's the, like the lawyer esque twisting of words from Asmodeus, Mm -hmm. you know, taking what, you know, like the, the rule of law or the, 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 the written rule, like, you know, at rules as written, you know, the yeah, you know, not the spirit of of the word, but you know, like the letter of it. Mm-hmm. So the gods have no recourse but uh, to banish these renegade angels. You know, like Asmodeus perfectly defended himself and his angels and their actions. Mm-hmm. And with the passage of time, Asmodeus and his war band grew ever more alarming in aspect, with fangs jutting out of their mouths, tongues uh-huh. growing forked. And they began to wreath their bodies in the mantle of fire. So when the gods created mortals and their worlds, demons soon found their way onto the material plane. And so again, Asmodeus and his crew were sent to stop them. Despite icy wastes, mountains, and deep oceans created by the gods to keep demons out of the material plane, mortals Mm -hmm. would traverse dig and delve allowing demons to once again escape as Medeus explained to the gods that the free will given to these mortals would only lead to chaos and no matter how many times the gods attempted this experiment it would always lead to the same result it's like look they're just too damn curious they're gonna predictable i mean or the 
they're predictable in their unpredictability. You know, like they're mm-hmm. going to, they're always going to zig when you think they're going to zag. And so the Lord of lies offered a solution, punishment. The gods commanded mortals to turn away from chaos, but when they disobey, wrongdoers must be made to suffer as a warning to others. You're going to say something. I feel like I am. I feel like this was created by a DM who's tired of their players causing chaos and anarchy at their table. That's where that that I mean, kind of story gets born from. I mean, you know what happens the, the when people fits, don't quit with their chaos? If Bad the shoe times, fits. my friend. <laughs> and I what one thing I really love about this version is that punishment, like capital P, it actually is the name of a sword, like a mighty sword, which Asmodeus crafted himself. Oh. It's a so, hell of a name for a sword. Damn. Right? Like write Bonus that down. <laughs> I like it. We need to homebrew that. So the gods weren't entirely on board with this, but they could find like no flaws in Asmodeus's argument. Like it was completely logical. And just like law and chaos were principles, the gods conceded that good and evil were natural forces as well. And so they agreed and began handing down new laws, sent their clerics to like essentially let the mortals know the new terms of agreement Mm -hmm. but no one reads those like like you know you open up uh, a program or an app and Uh the new terms of agreement come up you just scroll all the way down so you can click submit or agree you don't read them no one reads them and and these these mortals didn't read them you you're pointing at yourself like you read read them that's absurd. I absolutely do. <laughs> Have you ever opened up a program had that had a new terms of agreement, read them, and been like, mm, "No, I don't agree to this," and stopped using it? Well, then there you go. <laughs> I, we, do. We, I wouldn't have made a good demon. We found no, yeah, you, no. Well, maybe you would have because it's it's that it's that saved fi- them some it, trouble. It was that you know that attention to the yeah. details. So, you know, which, you know, no one else seems to have except for devils. Are you a devil? Maybe. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Well, that's exactly what a devil would say. You've already entered into into an agreement with me, sir. I have. Like, now, like, like how long is the Lorecast going to last? Until I'm dead, apparently. (laughs) Forever. Oh, that'd be fine. I could do it from a nursing home. So the gods thought the threat of punishment would be enough uh, mm-hmm. to you know sway mortals from from you know from sinning from mm-hmm. from turning away but as mortals died some souls began to trickle into the celestial pains with the and i love the description of this with the stink of transgression oh so as Medeus and his posse did Good what line. they were meant to do they flayed mm-hmm. these sinners burned them and placed them on racks of course. Their shrieks reverberated throughout the heavens, and the flowers in the gardens of the heavens dripped with their blood. That's metal to smell. That's awesome. Metal AF. <laughs> again, Asmodeus was brought before the gods. As again, like like what now? Uh and charged with crimes against the law. 
I have merely done what I said I would. Under the laws you drafted, countered the angel. But I have a proposal for you. So Asmodeus suggested taking his and his and his angels work elsewhere as to, and I love the way this is put, quote, preserve the delicate sensibilities of the gods. Yeah. And suggested an empty land, an empty land that is now known as Bator. Like points to a map, like, send us there. We'll go there and we'll do we'll do this so that you don't have to see it. Uh, when the deities quickly agree to this suggestion, not reading the terms of agreement, Asmodeus extended his hand and a ruby rod of power appeared. But first, we must make a pact. It is to your benefit to ensure that we, who labor for you in a place you will not venture, continue to carry out your will. This agreement specifies the fate of damned souls. In exchange, it allows us to draw magic from these souls so we can fuel our spells and maintain our powers. But Moradin, the dwarf god, was like, whoa, whoa, what? No, I don't that is no, that, I don't like the sound of that. But honey-tongued Asmodeus continues, mm-hmm. since we will be separated from you, we will not be able to draw our powers from you as we always have. You would not wish us, to, you would not wish to make us gods independent of yourself, would you? And so they're like, well, yeah, no, we don't want to do that. You know, they agree that what he was saying was, I mean, technically true. And so they signed the agreement. He's not wrong. He might not be right, but he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. They each signed the agreement, which is today known to mortals and to devils and to everyone in between. It's known as the Pact Primeval. So Asmodeus and his war band, including Mephistopheles and Despater, decamped to Bator. And the latter two, you know, when they saw it, like balked at this bleak and featureless plain. Just wait, their mortal or their leader told them. Meanwhile, in the heavens, the deities were enjoying their newly purified celestial domain, you know, for the first time. Yeah. You know, trumpet uh, mm-hmm. for the first time in what seemed like eons, you know, they, they, they finally, you know, got rid of all the shrieks and the blood, but their revelry was short lived uh, in, you know, in terms of gods, in terms of the immortal, right. Uh, when they realized the number of souls arriving in their domains, began to drop steadily. Oh man, can you imagine being the angel that has to go deliver that news? Well, upon conferring with their clergy, they (laughs) realized that devils were corrupting mortals and ensuring their damnation by turning them toward evil. So he was, you know, he was sort of like, you know, skimming money off the top or he was, you know, Ensuring that he would have his fair share. What he needed. Well, more than his fair share. So the deity set off for Bator immediately to straighten this all out. And to their surprise, the plane was no longer barren and featureless, but had transformed into nine tiers of monstrous horror and torment. Countless souls were witnessed writhing in pain, being transformed from crawling mindless monsters to an army of powerful devils. 
as Medeus explained, you have granted us the power to harvest souls, to build our hell and gird our might for the task set before us. We naturally had to find ways to improve our yield. Heronius, the war deity, drew forth his longsword of crackling lightning. It is your job to punish transgressions, not to encourage them, he cried. Asmodeus smiled, and a venomous moth flew out from between his sharpened teeth. Read the fine print, he replied. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So that story, it's really, it's so much fun. I, I remember is. messaging you and thinking like, this is this is a lot of fun researching this. Oh gosh, yeah. So uh, that story I found in the 3.5 edition book, Fiendish Codex 2, Tyrants of the Nine Hells. Now, um, I mentioned the trial of Asmodeus at Mm -hmm. the beginning. That is mentioned in the fifth edition, Mordecanon's Tome of Foes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this could take, so the trial of Asmodeus could take place. uh, It could either take the place of the previous information Mm -hmm. or it could simply follow like what it's like kind of like what happens next. And yeah. I really enjoy that aspect about uh, about D and D's lore as they continue, like you know, into fifth edition. Yeah, for sure. Is that they don't necessarily, um, you know, get rid of the old mythology, right? But, Build on it, or in addition to, right? And like it's you're able to like you know, it's it's uh, evil. You can do either or, or you can do and, mm-hmm. and I love that. So. I prefer to take this as an end. I feel like this is what happens next following yeah. like the gods showing up in Bator and Asmodeus is like, man, read the contract, bro. I don't know what to tell you. So in this story, once Asmodeus is accused of these terrible crimes, both mm-hmm. sides agree to allow le- the leader of the Modrons, whose name is Primus, mm-hmm. who as a creature of absolute law and perfect logic could be trusted to issue a fair and impartial verdict. The trial begins, and Asmodeus admits, yes, we sway mortals to evil, but we and my min like I and my minions, we never breached a- we never breach a contract. And we always explain the terms clearly. So it's really it's mortal ambition rather than infernal deception, which have led so many souls astray the Archfiend argued. And additionally, he defended his actions by stating that the souls would then be used in the blood war. You know, mm-hmm. the the you know the forever war between de- devils and demons, mm-hmm. you know, to fight back the demon hordes, which is exactly what the gods wanted in the first place. That's you know what they wanted from Asmodeus uh, Asmodeus right. and his his uh war band. They wanted the demons in check. So then he testifies. Then the angels countered with testimonies of their own of all of his vile crimes. And, you know, like, and I don't like that guy. It seems like Asmodeus is like just speaking like purely like, you know, logically like Spock. And while the angels are like, you know, speaking from the heart and like trying to like, but eh, that doesn't work. Uh, In the end, Primus declines to issue a definitive judgment. While he didn't punish Asmodeus, he did order the Prince of Evil to forever carry the ruby rod, which allows him and his underlings to enter into contracts with mortals 
for their souls, but unleashes an inescapable punishment upon any devil who breaches the contract. Well, it goes both ways. Which, I mean, that that was Asmodeus's claim is like, hey, like we enter into these contracts. You know, they enter, like we explain the terms, they enter willingly mm-hmm. and we never breach him. So, so Primus is like, all right, so I'm going to make sure that, that, you know, that what you say is true, that that never happens. Right. Uh, and then there are a few other versions or at least sort of like amendments, like, you know, sort of like, mm-hmm. um, like postscripts or sort of like add-ons which mm-hmm. float around, uh, but none of which have like the great background details that the previous right. three have. So like one version theorizes that Asmodeus is at the very least an archdevil, uh, but could possess the power of a true deity and that his true form actually resides in the deepest rift rift of Nessus called the Serpent's Coil. And this references back to like the first origin story and claims that his titanic miles long form still rests here as his wounds have yet to heal. Uh, fourth edition actually references Asmodeus as a deity, as a greater oh. god, in fact, uh, an ancient deity turned archdevil, uh, the lord of the ruby rod, longed to reclaim his godhood mm-hmm. and was finally able to when Azuth, a patron deity of mages, was sent to Nessus and Asmodeus kills him, consuming his divine essence. And then even another version states that the Batezu or the devils, this mm-hmm. is you know from uh the the satanic panic days of the eighties when they had to take devils and demons out, so they named them uh Batazu. Batazu yeah. and Tanari. Uh so uh the Batazu or the Devils rose in an unknown manner on Bator and soon replaced the original denizens there. Uh, the devils are simply twisted representations of the Tanari or demons, mm-hmm. a chaotic root that was corrupted beyond corruption into the most hated twist of all, order. Like, what does <laughs> chaos hate more than anything? Order. So, order. It's uh, true. In this story, Asmodeus and his, uh, and his devils seize Bator from Zargon, an elder evil of unknowable origins and unbelievable power. I love those. They're so final. It's like, um, it's unknown origins and like unbelievably powerful. So just don't bother trying. I mean, like it's, there's gotta be like something like that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, something that, you know, is like, you know, like they say that Zargon's an elder evil. It's one of those things that like just sort of existed before, Mm -hmm. before time, before anything. Right. And as a result, you know, can't really die. But then again, you know, the whole thing about D and D and TTRPGs in general is like you can homebrew whatever you want, and if yep. an elder evil like this dies, or uh, you know, an elder, you know, good deity dies, and what mm-hmm. that means for the world, and what that yep. means, like you know, what your party has to do, then, like I said, that that I'm makes for, for a it. great adventure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I love it. Well, that about wraps it up for us this week. The origins of Asmodeus. Love it. It's fantastic. I see why you went with origin stories for this one. 
I mean, it, it was just going to be on the character himself. And I'm mm-hmm. like, like I was getting through the origins. I'm like, these are so awesome. Like I, the whole show has to be about these. Like, I don't oh, want, sure. I don't want to, you know, you know, scrimp on these, but, uh, but that means that we can talk more about As- Asmodeus in the future, like about, yes. uh, like all the shenanigans that he's gotten into, not just, uh, not, you know, the, the, the shenanigans, you know, after he came around, you know, right. After he began to rule Bator. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for allowing us into your ears for this uh, amount of time. We hope to, uh, we hope that you, uh, that you allow us to do it again soon in the future. Yes. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your twenties be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.